All right. So this topic I wanted to talk about is uh, being physical with your dog. So what does that mean? Uh, this is Carlos again, Brian on the other line. Uh, we hey, are, okay, we're, we're going to try and touch on this very, very, uh, how would you describe it when you say, okay, you need to be physical with your dog. I feel like that immediately makes people either nervous or uh, they misunderstand. Yeah, they reluctant or they misunderstand and they go, oh, yeah, I pet my dog all the time. But I wanted the topic touching your dog. Now, there is a more scientific term that I actually researched. I don't know if you remember the Dr. Stephen Lindsay. Yeah. He, he's this guy. He's phenomenal. Has a bunch of information on these books that he has. This one in particular is called Applied Dog Behavior. And training, and, and he's a he's a veterinarian and and yeah. PhD. I mean, he's got all sorts of all sorts of yeah, formal uh, education, to, right? He used to work with military, uh, tr- training the military dogs, and he came up with a word for what I think we're trying to convey to people. He calls it posture facilitated relaxation, or PFR for short. Wow. Now, now a lot of this stuff that he talks about is. Some of it's obvious, some of it's very scientific. I'm not trying to get it down deep into the weeds, but basically you should have some early physical touch with your puppy. So a lot of this has to do with puppies, but Brian, as you know, we encounter not so many puppies that have issues, but then, you know, adolescent dogs, adults, and we still have to kind of work backwards, right? How do we explain this to people, the importance of it? Well, one of the things that uh, that I start off with people is like today, the appointment I did this morning, and it, I think it was about a year and a half old um, black lab, maybe shepherd mixture or or something. Um, pretty uh, pretty happy guy, confident. But the first thing uh, he did when I came in is he uh, he came right up to me, sniffed me, and 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 jumped on me. And you know there was no malicious intent there. He wasn't trying to dominate. He was just you know used to jumping on people and getting close to their face and smelling them and and getting to know them that way. So the first thing that I'll tell a client is, if your dog is willing to be physical with you and enter your personal space, you need to, you know, communicate to him that you also are willing to do the same. Because otherwise, if it's a one-way street, he's going to think that he's in charge with you. And and people seem to seem to understand and accept that pretty readily and say, oh, okay, so it's okay for me to for me to touch my dog, not in a strictly affectionate way that they could also do it in a in a disciplinary fashion as well so that's usually where i start with people well how do you bridge that gap uh i think a lot of people are being told hey don't be mean to your dog don't hit kick just to be clear we're not talking about those sorts of things we're talking about communicating with your dog in a physical manner to promote a form of relaxation as the way dr Lindsay puts it but also like what you just makes them understand that, hey, you are a physical presence. You're going to provide comfort and safety. And all you want them to do is relinquish this illusion of control, right? We don't ever want the dog to feel like it has control of the environment. Yeah, not unless we 
give it up in in a time that we might be playing with the dog in which case we're communicating to him with a change in our energy and and our our actions we're telling him you may treat me as an equal now and you can you know put your paws on me and you can put your teeth on me um during this time but yeah other other than that i can't think of an instance where we want dog to take control of a of an environment um yeah i mean well if for defensive purposes, right, as a reactionary thing, uh, meaning uh, ter- territory, right? Some intruder comes in the house. Okay, fine. Th- sure. That should be instinctual, but it's important to pe- people understand that it's it's okay to put hands on your dog. This is something that should happen when they're puppies. Okay, uh, Doctor Stephen Lindsay was part of this like super dog program in the military, and what they were trying to do is make this uh, well super dog by. Um, Kickstarting their neurological system, he calls it. So from the period of like three days to 16 days, they have you, okay, grab a Q-tip, stimulate the bottom of the paw for three to five seconds, sit the dog up, sit the dog down, sit the dog on its back. Um, so, but as they get older, how can we get that message across? How do we get, how do we get people to touch their dog? How to touch their dog? How to begin to play? I've always started with, hey, sit, right? Sit gradually get them conditioned to the idea of relaxing, sitting, and then being on their side, and then get them used to that. So they can, so you can have more uh, control over them and they can get used to this submissive posture in an event you need to utilize it um, when they're right. uh, maybe not behaving the way they should or there's a, like a stimulation, external stimulation that they are having the problems negotiating, right? Yeah, and that's one of the things that I I focus on um, uh, pretty pretty heavily with uh, with people. Obviously, besides exercise and and uh, you know the the standard things that you and I've been preaching for so many years. But I'll I'll tell people you know one of the most important things we want to teach our dogs is that they should choose to be calm, submissive, and respectful first before they choose anything else and that and then that comes from learning from us that that's how that's how it's supposed to be and getting getting responses if they don't do that there's a negative response if they if they do do that there's a positive response so it's just what you said is being calm being submissive and 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 being respectful um but going back a second i I want to also touch on One thing that I mentioned to to the clients today, and probably you know maybe half the clients that I work with, I'll I'll say see see how your dog is making eye contact with you. He's communicating with you. He's looking at you for guidance, or he's maybe looking at you to to test and see if he can control you. So I'll tell them if your dog is doing that, he's telling you I communicate like this. So you should also communicate back with him in that form as well. Make a lot of eye contact with him to you know in some a simple exercise is from across the room see if you can get your dog to come to you just with eye contact and see if you can get your dog to stay put just with eye contact but again both with touch and and eye contact all forms of dog communication it's natural to them it's how they work with each other so yeah we not, and we often we're not telling let me just finish here yeah so we're not telling telling people that they're training their dog a new language we're telling people the dog knows this you just have to learn it yourself and and that's a good point and maybe that'll help i feel like it helps me um hopefully it helps people that are listening to you i think you do a great job of explaining it is it helps them to understand okay i am helping my dog understand me 
I'm not hurting them or confusing them. A lot of times you read that sort of thing in some dog books. It's oh, yeah. not not necessarily. It's it's kind of unfortunate because they don't they don't research the um the issue. They just kind of put their opinion about it. They'll say like the one I sent you the other day. I'll say under under no circumstance rough play with your dog and <laughs> let the dog put their teeth on you. Right, and the one I hear most, even more than that, is don't play dog, tug with your dog because it teaches him to be aggressive. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Who came up with that? And, you know, you and I know the answer is someone who's who's fearful, someone who's afraid to, to test their dog and to test their own skills and, and show the dog, no, 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 you can be physical with me and you can tug and you can put all your weight into it and your, and your power and you can even growl when you're doing it. But when I say stop or settle down, you need to do that. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's so much, there's a lot more misinformation out there than, than there is good information. Now, I want to read something too that, that uh, Dr. Lindsay, he, he didn't write this, but he, he referenced another uh, individual or individuals that did a study about light petting versus heavy, heavy petting. And it, mm-hmm. sounds, it sounds weird, but right. <laughs> it, it, he said just, it's not just petting that promotes good feelings, if you will. Everybody knows about oxytocin. Uh, am I saying that right? Oxytocin. Oxytocin. Yeah. It actually happens in dogs, too. It's a stress-reducing uh, effect. But it's also the type of petting, and this is got, kind of goes to what we're talking about, touching. He said they found that petting, uh, it's not just the, the petting and all, it's the type of petting. So they found that the best is petting consistent, let me read this again, petting consisting of long, firm strokes produ- produces the strongest effect. Okay, so uh, I assume they're talking about uh, calming effect. And then right. actually it goes into discussing a book that I read and a movie that maybe uh, some of you have uh, uh, watched, Temple Grandin, the autistic lady. She's a Ph.D., and she goes on and talks about the importance of touch as well. So what we're trying to get across is please Handle your dog, right? Whether they're, whether they're small or large, they need this. If you, if you don't have your, if you didn't have the dog when they were a puppy, they can still do it when they're older. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I'm going through this right now with a, uh, my girlfriend's dog when she moved in with me. He had not the best background, probably wasn't handled at all. Very, what's the word? Averse to human tact, to Dutch. Uh, just unsure. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people would, would call that skittish, probably. Yeah, skittish dog. How do I get him to trust me without me being frustrated, right? So we have to start touching. We have to start playing, roughhousing, walking the dog, uh, blocking the dog. I call it blocking when we're walking, and sometimes people will allow their dogs to pull. Be physical. Put your leg out there. Let them know, hey, I'm still here. I'm present. But I'm touching you to remind you that I'm in charge uh, and I'm also going to make you feel safe, and hopefully that promotes relaxation. So the, the the customer that you spoke of earlier, the client, how did you break that down once they had that aha moment? As far as okay, should I, how do I correct my dog physically? They're they're touching me and other people, but I wasn't sure if I should correct or touch them. Now I am sure. How do you how do you bridge that gap? I'm curious how you. Uh, well, I mean, gen- generally it just comes down to uh, to showing them, and and in this in this case, I actually 
gave the dog a verbal and physical correction at the, at the same time. The third time he jumped on me, you know, I let the first two slide so that he could get to know me a little bit. And, and so I could gauge them, you know, cause some clients, you don't want to start off with too much information or, 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 you know, too sharp a, a correction, whether it's, you know, body language or, or, <laughs> uh, or, or, or sound or, or, or physical correction sometimes, you know, using your fingertips. Um, so it gives me a little bit of time to, to gauge the clients. And so I went ahead and corrected yeah. the dog with a sharp sound and, a, and just a, a little bit of a, a touch. And then I explained it. So they saw the results and then I explained it to them. They're like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, the usual thing, and you've heard this as many times as I have is, Oh, he's behaving so good. We've never seen this before. You know, what did you do? So by, giving them a demonstration with their own dog that's usually that usually you know kind of bridges the gap and and makes that makes the point very clearly to them they're like oh okay that works terrific you know show me how to do that and you know we it ends up dispelling all the rumors without us having to explain it we just we just you know show them what now, works and, and what doesn't work now i will i will stop you there because you don't have the benefit of video for those people listening right what does the correction look like can you describe it the the physical correction it i explain it and i don't know if this is if this is the best way to explain it or not but the way i explain it to people is um is it's a quick jab with your fingertips so you know almost like you, your hand is positioned almost like you're maybe getting ready to to play the piano so your 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 fingers are up and and curved a little bit and it's just a quick in and out jab with uh with your fingertips it's not any sort of prolonged uh touch or push um you know not not a shove it's not a grab it's just a quick in and out touch with your fingertips to snap the dog out of it just like you use a you use a sharp sound with your voice it's to snap the dog out of what they're focused on to get their attention so all of a sudden he's like holy cow what was that okay now i i forgot what i was doing over there now i'm paying attention to you who you know touched me or or used a sharp sound with me so you combine this like you're doing both of them simultaneously uh, yeah, I, I do. That's most effective for, for me. And that's something else that I'll tell clients is, you know, each dog and each person has going to have a different relationship with each other. So, you know, between energy, body language, sound and touch, that's the tool bag and develop which combination of, of those tools works best for you from moment to moment. And so, so, so for me, I'll often, I'll often start off with, with sound and then add touch when I need to and then separate them as the dog gets to know me better and, and we see, you know, which, which of those tools works best between me and him. I, I, uh, I just thought of something too along the same lines. I'll also tell people, hey, the reason you want to combine sound with touch is that so in the long run, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, eventually all you'll need to do is sound, right? Right. Because the dog will get, oh, I see. I'm doing something wrong before I need a correction and an audible noise yeah, or he, whatever. Yeah, he, he, he essentially makes the association that the sound correction and the touch correction are the same because we're doing them at the same time. And then you start doing one or the other. And he realizes that one equals the other in most circumstances. So is it fair to say, and I think this helps people too, maybe have to deal with a dog who has a lot of unwanted behavior and people are overwhelmed. Is it fair to say that a lot of these struggles, people should see them as, Hey, get over the hump. And then it should be smooth going as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. In other words, the bulk of the work up front may seem tough because it's new to you these techniques are new maybe you're not used to touching your dog in that way but then if you're doing what you're supposed to do 
be doing with the corrections and the boundaries and the exercise, it should be pretty smooth after that, right? Isn't that what you found? I, I found that to be the case with me, even with the toughest case, uh, dogs and uh, uh, clients. I oh yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll tell people, look, when you start practicing these things and develop this relationship with your dog, and he starts making good decisions on his own, things that you've taught him, then you can start throwing half these rules away, and you can yeah. give him a lot of freedom, and you can start talking to your dog all the time again. But until then, yeah, you've got a bit of a of a steep learning curve. So there's um, to there's a light at, at the end of the tunnel. Oh, absolutely. As it were. And that's important, I think, for people to understand, too, because they'll say, well, I can't do what Brian does. How, how does he do that? Or I, I, it's going to take me a while to get there. But people need to understand that there is a system in place that works, right? This is, these are all things that we do that has uh, resulted in a lot of success. Um, but we do want to remind people that you have to not, for example, your dog is jumping on you. You walk away. I've seen people put their knee up. I've seen people say no. I've seen people try to redirect, maybe use treats. Or turn their back. Turn their back. Don't shy away from contact when it's needed uh, and it's appropriate, especially when they're puppies. But go ahead, um, yeah, that's a, that's actually a good point is, is you, there's a lot of people in it and maybe in today's American culture, it's even more so, but a lot of people who are just, uh, averse to confrontation and conflict. And so they'll turn away instead of challenge the dog. And, and that's what, you know, dogs and, and in a lot of case people, you know, certainly kids, teenagers need is they need to be challenged. They need to be told, no, you actually have a, have a boundary here. You may not do that. And there is a, there is a consequence. There is a real consequence. And they benefit from, from knowing their boundaries and what they can and can't do. And, and also your relationship with them benefits so that you just, you know, you establish who's in charge of the relationship between the, the two of you so that everyone is safe and, and you're providing for your dog and he enjoys being around you because he knows that you're going to take care of him. You're going to provide for him. Um, and he can relax knowing, you know, with that knowledge of where, what his role is in your household pack. Yeah, absolutely. And I can actually attest to this very, very recently. Um, as you know, Brian, I got a, I got a cat. He's 11 months old. Right. Uh, just any ordinary cat, nothing special. But, um, I think the first day I brought him in, the two dogs that I have that are my girlfriend's dogs, a little terrier mix, another border collie. They're all adults, middle-aged. They were super aroused by the sight and smell of this creature. <laughs> yep. And I'm not a cat person, right? So I'm not going to even try to, quote-unquote, train the cat, right? I'm not going to say, hey, cat, it's okay. I'm going to pet the cat. It's okay. The dogs are nice. No, I have to do uh, what I know works, which is to be physical, okay? So I'll give the dogs the benefit of the doubt. And they know me, but inevitably they'll test because they're curious. They're super excited. And one time the cat got off the counter onto the floor space in the kitchen area because as cats are, they're curious. And immediately the little one came and charged, right? So what do we do, right? This is where that window of opportunity is so important. I was very physical with the little dog, right? Because my voice didn't stop him. He kept going. I had to right. combine my sound with touch, right? In that case, I had to stop him, grabbed him, made sure he was, I was in between, 
the two and made sure he surrendered, submitted, right? He's used to me touching him. So he, so that looks like basically he would sit and then calm down and relax. Uh, so I was able to apply this to get the cat and the dog to live in harmony. And then another day, the same thing happened with, with the other dog, the border collie. Cat happened to be on the floor, uh, being curious and the border collie came and kind of did this, this weird, almost like a bite, like a bite, kind of like a pseudo aggression, kind of caught me off guard. I did the same thing. Right. So now I had to do the bulk of the work, be physical, restrain them, be in between. But the cat now comes and goes and there's no problem at all in the household. Right. And that happened maybe in the course of a week. And now the cat comes and goes. And the other day, the cat had the balls. <laughs> it was so fun. He had the balls to jump up on the couch where the dog was laying down and curled up, went, <laughs> went up to him and cleaned his ear. Walked away and the little, and the little dog, he gave me this look like, have I just been violated? Uh, he's like, I think I've, I think I've been violated. He looked at me like I'm supposed to do something. I'm like, I don't know. You didn't do anything bad. I can't correct the cat. I mean, he just went up there, but it's, it's a beautiful thing when, when they, when people and animal are able to live in harmony, right? But then there, but there's this thing, this struggle sometimes, this conflict that needs to take place. And what we want to get across to people is, Hey, this be, patient learn study a lot of what we did was watching caesar milan do his thing for so long uh so uh, practice and mean it when you touch your dog right and they will they will they will uh, conform if you're doing it right yeah that's a that's a good point there um you know and i can i can picture that that whole scene there and watch you do that and you know you described it just just perfectly but one of the most important things that that I remind clients is they have to they have to mean it. They're, they you know the working with their dogs has to start with intention. And if we're distracted, if we're trying to text someone, if we're on the phone, if we're distracted by the phone or the kids or or you know whatever, our dog doesn't have our full attention. Therefore, he's going to think, eh, I don't really have to pay attention to him because they're they're not giving me their full attention and I can get away with stuff. So, but you know, your intention needs to be, I am doing this with my dog right now, whatever it is, I'm feeding him, I'm petting him, you know, be, be fully engaged with him first. And then your energy is going to be in the right place. Your body language is going to display your, your actual intention and not, and not half and half. Um, and then you're, you're more likely to, to succeed with this. So just, you know, when you start, Working with your dog, and I mean from moment to moment, is, okay, he's being a knucklehead at the front door barking at someone who's walking by. I'm going to drop what I'm doing, and I'm going to go and address him and give him your full intention and stay engaged with him until you get the change in behavior that uh, that you want. But, you know, start start with intention is, uh, is the point that um, that we're trying to make here. For sure. It reminds me of, of, of you have the intention to sing. But then you either get distracted or you're scared of what you look like or what you sound like. And right. then you're, you, you end up making a fool out of yourself even more so unless you're doing karaoke. And that's the point of the point of it to make a fool of yourself if you're doing something social like that. But a singer who's going to sing and who's a real singer, whether they get paid or not, they're going to go 100 percent. Right. All right. Because they yeah, believe they believe that it's coming from their core. Right. That they're, the song is coming from their core and they mean what they want to. What they want to say, whether it's in the lyrics and they're vocalizing it. And same thing with, with you expressing uh, discontent or creating boundaries for you. You have to mean it, right? 
So uh, along those same lines, we do want to uh, make sure in closing that people understand that that safety is still paramount, right? So we come across this sometimes. It's very rare that a dog is truly, truly, truly aggressive, but it it does exist, and people do have these dogs. And so if you are trying one of these things, have a muzzle, right, Brian? Have uh, If you need to wear gloves, make sure you're safe, that people are safe. I wouldn't do this in public um, for the first time. Because you may be distracted and it just won't work, you know. Yeah, uh, at, at the at the very least, have the dog leashed because even if even if a dog does come after you, you can you know you can take the take the leash fairly low, close to his uh, close to yeah. his neck, and and still maintain uh, maintain uh, some distance there between his his teeth and you. But like Carlos said, really, the majority of dogs out there are not truly aggressive you know um, we probably 95 percent of the people who call they use the word aggression with their dog and 95 percent of those people maybe yeah it's probably even more than that but a very high percentage the dogs are not aggressive they just you know the people miscommunicate it they don't understand their their dogs but yeah always be be safe working um, working with your dogs. And, and Carlos, let me add one more thing here that, that sure. is really important that, again, I haven't heard other people in this line of work talk about is, is emotions when working with your dog. And so this is, this is something that can, that can make your intentions work or, or fail. If you're trying to train your dog and you're frustrated, you're angry, you're sad, you know, even if you're, even if you're happy, if you're joking around, you think your dog is doing something cute or whatever, but if you're trying to train him with emotion that doesn't convey leadership to them, it messes up the communication you're trying to give them. So when you're working with your dog, especially when you're, when you're correcting them, disciplining, remain emotionally neutral so that you can deliver that correction, that surf sound or that touch or whatever, or, you know, your energy, body language moving up to him and not be angry, not be frustrated because he's going to feel that and it could instill fear or a reaction rather than just you're showing dominance and he shows you submission. Yeah, exactly. And and to wrap it up, the way I, I, I think of that is you're trying to make your dog stable but how can right. you achieve stability? That's the best way to put it. How can you achieve stability when you're showing instability? <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. But but absolutely, be safe. Um, but don't be fearful, right? And that's the key. All right, you can be safe and not be fearful. Um, yeah, so, is there anything else, Brian, you want to touch on? I just wanted to make sure people understood that that regardless of what they're reading and regardless of what other people are saying, we have actually gone and and. And seen that these things work and we've tried it the other way where we don't touch and we stay back and a lot of times nothing happens. Uh, so we want to make sure people are still um, aware that this is, is a very, very important step, whether you have a puppy or an older dog and you've just uh, are getting to know and you're bonding and it's exhibiting some unwanted behavior. This is something that you should be able to use as a tool and, and research it. And one way you can do it is by uh, either get in the book by Dr. Stephen Lindsay. He's got actually pictures in here as well, Brian. And look up PFR, Posture Facilitated Relaxation. Okay. I don't think we have a cool name like that. We just, we just call it, I guess we just call it, what do we call it, Brian? Yeah, getting a dog under control. <laughs> 
put, we can't stay putting the dog down because that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know that that's something that people misunderstand. They think that scruffing your dog is the is always the thing to do, and that's that's what my grandfather did back in the old days. And it, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to have to think of a term rather than just explaining or, or demonstrating what uh, um, what we do in that uh, in that situation. Yeah, but but yeah, either either way, you know, please understand, um, listeners, that. Physical contact with your dog is important because they do it from the moment they're born. They do it with their siblings. They do it with their with their moms. They do it to Absolutely. explore. They do it for comfort. They do it to um uh you know to 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 preen each other you know to groom each other. Um, but they'll also do it in 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 discipline. A bunch of puppies climbing on the mama's head, and eventually she will have enough of it, and she'll turn and snap at him and. And let them know. Okay, oh, pin them down. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So if we, it, it seems weird to me that if 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 people think that they can be successful with their dogs by not speaking the language of dogs, I, I don't understand where that thinking comes from. So that's that's what we're here to do is to is to teach teach you the listeners and the dog owners to to help. Um, uh, to help your your relationship with your dog by learning how to speak dog, um, and so go ahead finish. No, up. and I was gonna say, and the big picture here is to keep your dog with you, right? A lot of the, a lot of times when you miss these techniques, don't apply them, and the behavior becomes so unwanted, you end up having to lose your dog, get rid of your dog, uh, surrender your dog. Who knows? Even worse, right? So these these techniques are are there for for the human and and the dog uh, to live in harmony for a long period hopefully hopefully for the entire entirety of the dog's life right so so that's the big picture right but this is just one important piece of that big picture right we're not saying hey do our technique because we're going to get some royalties out of uh making this um specific uh movement or posture facilitator we're no we're saying it because we know it works and we know it's going to make your life easier with your dog in the long run. So, right, right, and and one thing you just said right now is 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 we and these aren't our techniques. These are the dog's techniques. The yep. reason why this jab at the fingertip was was developed or the prong collar was developed is because yep. that's the closest facsimile, the closest imitation we have to the correction, the physical correction of another dog. And so we're speaking as close to, to the natural language of dogs as, as we, as we can when we do these types of, uh, types of corrections. That's why, that's why, you know, this came about and that's why we're discussing, um, this, this way. And we'll get in, into, uh, into this a lot over the, over the series of podcasts here. And that was, um, that was what I want to close out with is, um, you know, do we have some um, some topics uh, that we can share with the listeners right now um, that we're going to be talking on in the in the future? I've got a I've got a list here that I can put out. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think this is this is the beauty of uh, of having technology, right? We can we can put it out there, people can see it, and we can categorize it. But I'm sure we'll touch on pretty much anything and everything, right? Because we do this anyway when we talk to each other. We do this anyway when we, we, <laughs> yeah. when we talk to clients. I know you brought up some some things like uh, exercise, rescue groups, 
Um, go on if you yeah, I forget what other thing you brought up. Yeah, I, and uh, rescue groups also also volunteering in, in general because we you know we'd love to see more people uh, do that, helping other other dogs and, and shelters and whatnot. Um, you know, exercise is a huge topic that we uh, that we're that we're going to cover and that's going to come up over and over and over again. That's one yeah. of the most important things. Um, also, something that that people really misunderstand is dominance versus aggression. Absolutely, uh, that's that's, a huge that's one. an important one. Um, and then the concept of, of claiming is, you know, this just telling a dog, you may do this, you know, you may approach this space, you may have that piece of food on the floor, you may approach that dog or not. Um, so that whole concept of claiming, which, again, dogs know, we just need to know how to communicate with them. Um, and then socialization and, uh, you know, dog parks are, are a few that uh, that come to mind now. So we'll be covering all of these over over the, you know, the next several months in this series. And I'm, I'm going to make a concerted effort to cat label them as specific as possible so people know, okay, because this is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of information. Yeah. Um, so people can know specifically what we're touching on. But that's why we, we try to keep it under 30 minutes or so. But anyway, man, I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and hopefully people got something out of this, and uh, we'll see you uh, next time. And, uh, Brian, I'll, I'll see you around. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And please, if you have any questions, uh, don't hesitate to uh, contact us through the website, gooddogworkshop.com, or just go ahead and call or text uh, our main number at 703-489-1319. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. All right, thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye.